Welcome to Hub City Homers. This is episode number 54. Uh, tonight it's me, Jack, along with Kendall, and Reed may pop in intermittently here and there tonight. He's having some technical difficulties on his end, uh, but if we get him, then we get him. If we don't, uh, we'll get back to it next week. Um, today we're going to have a little bit of a shorter episode. Uh, we're just going to recap the Oklahoma State loss and uh, basically just kind of touch on any other memorable news or notable news, I should say. Uh, next week we will be back with episode 55 and a preview for the West Virginia Mountaineers. Uh, but first, we will start off with the recap of Oklahoma State. Tech loses. I would kind of characterize it as a heartbreaker. Forty-one to thirty-one on the road at number seven in Stillwater. Uh, Baron Morton started this game for Texas Tech, and he finished the game. Uh, he finished the game thirty-nine of sixty-two for three hundred seventy-nine yards. Uh, two touchdowns and an interception for a QBR of 71.4, and that's about an average of six yards per completion. Uh, Sir Roderick Thompson carried the ball 20 times for 87 yards for a 4.4 average and a touchdown. Uh, Baron Morton carried 16 times for 46 yards and a touchdown as well. Uh, on the receiving core, uh, Tech was led by Jaron Bradley, who had eight catches for 119 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Trey Cleveland had nine catches for 100 yards. And Xavier White had eight catches for 62 yards and a touchdown. We're going to get right into it. Um, obviously, the big news in this one is that uh, Baron Morton started this game. Donovan Smith did not. Uh we read all sorts of hearsay on Twitter and wherever before the game, citing a bum shoulder for Donovan Smith in this one. Um, later on, that was told. We were told that that was incorrect. Uh, he just did not start. Um, don't know what to make of that. We really don't know what to make of that. Um, other than Bear Morton came out and had himself a game. Uh, it definitely made the quarterback <laughs> battle. You know, I'm I'm back and forth on this every week. I feel like I feel like uh, after we saw Donovan Smith for all the time, and we never saw Morton, that there is a huge gulf there. And after this one, I'm back to being convinced that it was probably pretty tight quarterback battle. Um, uh, kid balled out. I don't know about y'all watching, but for me, I just felt like the ball came out nicer when he threw. He, he spins a good ball, uh, and it was proven on that first touchdown pass to Bradley. I mean, that was a deep ball, uh, 40-some-odd yards, and he just put it on the money, on on the chest, and uh, only to where only Bradley could get it. And uh, it was a pretty good, it was a pretty good uh, showing for him. You know, Tech was even up. At half, you know, they're up 24-20 uh, at half, and, you know, it just wasn't meant to be, but it is what it is. Uh, these are games that now, my big takeaway from this is that you're starting to compete in every single game. Uh, we have yet to be uh, really blown out in any of these games, uh, any of the losses. Um, within, other than the NC State game, uh, which was just poor on pretty much every aspect of that game other than the defense. 
Um, you know, you're in these games. You're within 10 points in all of these games. And in the NC State game, it was only 13 points. So you're really not getting blown out um, in like in years past that we were used to. Um, we'll dive into the offense first, and then we can get going um, with the defense later. Kendall, I'm going to throw it to you. What impressed you about Bear Morton on Saturday? What did you see from him that maybe you haven't seen from Donovan Smith or maybe you have seen from Donovan Smith, but uh, we're a little more impressed uh, because it was Morton? Friends was just uh, kind of the decisiveness of Baron Morton. Um, I think if anything has been proven here uh, to start like this entire season, um, this offense just flows better when we have a decisive quarterback that you know will go to that first read and just hit it and you know let the offense flow. Um, Donovan. At times, especially I feel like against Texas, he was very decisive, got his throws out quick. But, um, you know, at other times he struggled. He, um, you know, he took too long. He uh, second-guessed a lot of throws, and that led to, you know, the picks and the Houston game, NC State game. Um, and ultimately, I think just in general, um, the big thing, the big difference to me was – Barron went out there and made a lot of big plays down the field, which I just feel like Donovan sometimes hesitated to kind of, you know, try to make a big play down the field. Um, and the biggest thing that I did notice, um, the biggest difference, I guess you noticed how pretty the ball, or you mentioned how pretty the ball looked out of uh, Barron's hands. But um, I think, so Donovan... Yes, he has ran the ball and he has been effective at points, but um, I think Barron, the way he was different when he got out of the pocket and ran it if he needed to, or just got out of the pocket to make a play, um, it would he it felt like he only did that when he absolutely had to. Um, sometimes to me, it just seemed like Donovan Smith uh, kind of looked to run too early. And sometimes that led to um, it led to unneeded sacks or just, you know, kind of plays that were left out there when if he just uh, waited a little longer, some things would have opened up. But Baron, he was really good at staying in the pocket, uh, you know, going through his progressions and then trying to make a play with his feet after, which it worked out really well for him on the ground. Um, but it also does help that. Um, our running game was really able to get going consistently with uh, Sir Roderick Thompson out there, and our receivers were making plays, getting a lot of separation that they maybe didn't get against K-State. So, um, like you mentioned, uh, last week, we I'll, I'll be the first to say it, like our entire pod was wrong when it came to the quarterback situation, and I think that was proven. We were, you know, we were led to believe that, like, you know, considering there wasn't any announcements made that, um, you know, Barron, it seemed like he was pretty far behind Donovan when it came to the fact that, you know, he hadn't came into any games yet. Um, and it seemed like Shuck was 
you know, miles ahead of everyone. But after seeing Baron, I don't necessarily think that that was a fair assessment. But also, I guess this is my second point, is I'm wondering why we didn't maybe see Baron sooner, which I do know that uh, Donovan led us to the win against Texas. But I'm kind of wondering, you know, why... Baron maybe didn't get a shot after that NC State game. Would it would it have been the right move or wrong move? I don't know. But like after that NC State game, um, I thought that maybe Morton would get a shot, but he didn't. And thankfully, Smith led us to that win, so there was really no controversy there. But it kind of just makes me wonder, you know, what would have happened, um, like after that, you know, if we have Barron in there against Kansas State, you know, do we win that game? Uh, it, it's just kind of a lot of ifs and buts at that point, but that's kind of my only takeaway now is, you know, what would have happened if Barron was in there sooner? But, you know, we can't answer those questions, and now we just look to the future, which it looks really, really exciting. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like a lot of this is uh, – as much as we'd like to think that it might have changed something, um, in my mind at least, I just the defense didn't play well enough in my mind against Adrian Martinez. They didn't stop the dual threat, and and that's an issue that we'll touch on here in a second with this defense is the dual threat quarterback. Um, you know, luckily enough, uh, you might have. I, I don't know. So we don't know. We've heard a bunch of stuff today about Jalen Daniels and his shoulder separation. Uh, we've heard that he's out for the year. Then he came back on social media and said, that's news to me. So which leads us again to believe that he might not be out for the season. I don't know. Um, but if he is out for the Tech game in Lubbock, which is the 12th of November, which is about a month away, um, I only see really one – more true dual threat quarterback and that's max duggan um we know that we know what tcu did to us in lubbock last year they just tore us up on the ground um again i I truly think that i'm i'm in macon's camp on this one i just don't think that his that he could throw that well um I don't think any of these quarterbacks that have beaten us on the ground can really throw the deep ball that well that was pretty evident this past weekend um, there was one ball that Spencer Sanders threw deep that they caught, and it was underthrown by about five yards, and the guy came back to it. Um, I do want to talk with you real quick about the Oklahoma State receivers while we're on the subject of offense because, man, those guys, I, I want to talk about, you want to talk about an elite unit. Um, everything that he threw near them was caught, and, and it's and it was impressive. I I was truly impressed by that, and – Man, they made him look pretty damn good when he was throwing the ball three and four yards behind them, or you know, at their at their shins and at the tops of their feet, and they were still coming up with every pass. And I, I really don't think you can ask for more as a quarterback. Well, yeah, you're one hundred percent right on that. You know, in my preview article, um, I didn't spend a lot of time highlighting, uh, you know, the Oklahoma State receivers because they didn't have one specific guy throughout the year that really, you know, stood out and um, was like the number one guy. Um, 
this week, I mean, Bryson Green really kind of took over for them. Uh, he had some really big plays. But, you know, you hit a good point on Spencer Sanders. I got, you know, attacked on Twitter after my preview because, you know, I didn't even – the thing is, I didn't say that Spencer Sanders was a bad quarterback. I didn't at all. What I was inferring was the fact that, you know, we didn't want to let him – beat us with his legs because you know he is a good runner he makes a lot of plays outside of the pocket I was getting at the point that like we wanted to keep him in the pocket and force him to set his feet and make throws and guess what when he was in the pocket and he just had to make throws we got a lot of what people would call coverage sacks or we he missed a lot of short throws that you know a lot of like what people would consider NFL quarterbacks are easily going to make like it's just a routine throw. But I'll give Spencer Sanders credit. He was able to make some really big plays with his legs. They ran that read option a lot of times to perfection. It's what led to a couple of his touchdowns where and it's what led to him sealing the game too. But guess what? It was on his feet and that is what I was worried about, and that's what I wrote about in my article. But no, like some of the big Oklahoma State media guys wanted to come out and, you know, come at me saying that I didn't know what I was talking about. But I mean, the reality is Sanders still threw under 50%. He got outplayed by a redshirt freshman on his home field. Like that doesn't change the fact, even though he got the win. Um, when it came to throwing the ball, it was very obvious who the more talented guy out there was, and it wasn't Sanders. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, if you if you if you won't say it, I will. I I he's bad. <laughs> okay, like I I I mean, I'll say it. I've been a known hater, and I don't care who what they tell me. I got DMs after the game asking me how I felt about him, and it hasn't changed. Uh, I still don't think that he's worth anything at all. I think that his receivers made him look a lot better. Uh, like you said, uh, he threw for 100 yards less. Yeah, Morton attempted almost 20 more uh, passes, but uh, it's one of those things where uh, he got outplayed by a redshirt freshman at home. Um Morton was going against the number seven team in the country. You were going against an unranked team. Uh, and you know, the, the list can keep going on. You know, it's, it's again, uh, Oklahoma state's known for having an elite and I say elite in hand in air quotes defense. Um, and Texas tech has really never been known for having an elite defense. So again, if you want to compare it, I mean, you, you got outplayed. It's the, it's just the simple fact of the matter. And like I said, it was we're not sitting here like dogging on Spencer Sanders. Well, Kendall's not. I am, but it's not. It's not like we're sitting here being like, oh, you know, Spencer Sanders is the worst quarterback of the Big Twelve. None of those other, none of the other people on this podcast will say that. I will because I truly believe that. Uh, I, I truly, really do believe that. That if you make this guy sit back in the pocket and throw fifty-five times, he might complete twenty of them. Um, like if you made him sit in the pocket, set his feet, take a, take a three-step drop or a five-step drop and, or out of the shotgun and just sit in the pocket and make throws. I don't think he could make the throws. I will truly say that. Um, but like, so we're, we're, I'm, I'm pandering now. I'm going on and on. Let's move over to the defense. Um, defense for Texas tech started 
iffy. Uh, played great in the two middle quarters. And, uh, well, I should say, uh, played well in the second and fourth quarter. Played kind of iffy in the first and third quarter. They got out to a, another hot start. Uh, Kendall, this is the third game in a row where the opposing team has scored in less than three pl- or th- in three plays or less. Um, I don't want to say we got screwed on the fair catch call on the onside kick. You look back at the rules; they can do it. I would like. I love the call. It's gutsy. Tech got the ball. I want to know why that onside kick is not hitting the ground first. Because if that ball hits the ground, if you go straight into the ground off the tee and then it pops up like that and we get it, they can't call for fair catch. So that ball never hit the ground. You look back at the replay, it never hit the ground, and that's why he was able to call for fair catch. That ball should have been kicked out of the ground. That's just a mental mistake or something that we may not have expected the Oklahoma State kid to do. If that's the case, then all props to him for making a great play and making a what turned out to be a thousand IQ play and keeping Oklahoma State in the game. Because I think that if Tech gets that ball and goes down and scores again and makes it fourteen nothing, that's this is a completely different ball game. Instead of scoring in two plays and making it seven seven, I think I think Baron Morton has all the um, has all the moxie and the that he needs being on the road up 14 points. And uh, at least in the end, it comes out to being a closer game. Uh, maybe even if tech loses, maybe they lose on the last play of the game or something. Uh, I think, I think it could, that, that play uh, flipped the whole game on its head uh, it, from the, from the direction that it was going. Um, stat wise uh, defense, Krishan Merriweather, 17 tackles. With a sack and a tackle for loss. Um, Dadrian Taylor Demerson, seven tackles. Kosai Eldridge, six. Josiah Pierre, five. Uh, Reggie Pearson had four with half a sack. Tyree Wilson had four with half a sack. Um, Josiah Pierre and Krishan Merriweather each had a sack as well. Tech finishes with three sacks, six tackles for losses, ten pass deflections, five of them by Rayshad Williams, and seven quarterback hurries. Um, the, I think the difference in this game, and I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me here, um, and it's the one thing that I will give Spencer Sanders credit for that he has gotten better at over his time at uh, Oklahoma State. Um, he kept a clean uh, turnover sheet. I, I truly think that if he turns the ball over once or twice, uh, again, this could have been a different outcome in this game. Well, um, so, yeah, I ahead. mean, to me, the reality is he probably should have had two or three picks. Uh, we missed a lot of opportunities. You know, uh, he threw a couple, um, you know, just short slants that were behind the receivers that our defensive backs were, they were right there. And uh, towards the end, um, when Dadrian Taylor Demerson, he had a pick that was, you know, he's a defensive back, but that's one that definitely probably should have been caught on the deep ball. Um, that really, that drive is what helped Oklahoma State seal it, which, um, and, you know, at the end of the day, those are the plays that just, it kind of sucks looking back that, you know, they didn't get made, but they were still good plays. Um, it just, you kind of 
hope for more. And Spencer Sanders, for the most part, did do a really good job of just, uh, you know, if he made a mistake, most of the time it was, you know, uh, either his receiver was going to get to it or nobody else was. And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, there was still opportunities for a couple on, you know, picks. And, you know, talking about that onside kick, uh, personally, I think that that was just a phenomenal play. As much as I hate to say it, that Oklahoma State um, player on special teams, you know, he he might have saved that team's ass uh, with that play. You know, not a lot of players are smart enough to know to fair catch that because a lot of players in that moment are going to panic. They're going to go um, try to run up and get the ball. But that player called the fair catch. And yes, could it or should it have probably been kicked off the ground? Yes, but you're not getting that perfect of an onside kick um, if it's kicked off the ground. You're just not. Because, um, you know, a lot of onside kicks can take a lot of weird ricochets. Um, and sure, we might have caught him off guard. But at the end of the day, you know, I just don't think um, if you kick it off the ground, I don't necessarily know that we get that type of uh, bounce. But, you know, defensively, there was a lot of good. There was some bad there, you know, um, that first drive after we did let up or that onside kick, uh, we did get that penalty. Um, you know, we let him go down the field, like you said, in like three plays. And right off the bat, they did, they allowed Spencer Sanders to get right out of the pocket, hit a wide open receiver, which, I mean, say what you want. Spencer Sanders didn't do anything on that play. That was just a broken coverage. And yeah, he got out of the pocket, but I mean, hell. I feel the one major thing that kind of irked me, we did see a lot of, uh, you know, three-man pressures, which, you know, it's worked a lot this year, actually, so I can't really knock it that much. But at the same time, when we weren't getting a ton of pressure, um, our defensive backs were working this game. Uh, You know, they had a lot of pass breakups, a lot of really, really good plays on the backside that... Um, they were physical, they were pissing people off, uh, and it kind of sucked because, um, if our pressure was able to get there a couple more times, this, the, this game just changed is completely because Spencer Sanders, there was a couple plays where he, our coverage was fantastic, but he just had so much time in that pocket eventually someone came open and eventually he was able to hit them so that's one thing that's really can be worked on but at the same time Oklahoma State has a very good offensive line they're very physical so can't really knock our defensive line that much because you know they were still able to you know cause some havoc back there especially in the run game but uh one thing that I would like to see, especially against West Virginia, because, you know, they're not necessarily the consensus worst team in the conference anymore after what Oklahoma showed against Texas, but they're definitely probably one of the bottom two as of right now. Um, I would like to see us get more pressure uh, against West Virginia, give a JT Daniels, you know, don't let him 
uh, sit back there in the pocket because that's where he's at his best. So this is going to be a game where we got to get pressure. But um, I think that the defense has taken some huge strides already this year. And at the end of the day, just kind of going back on hindsight, um, coming into this game and from the preseason, if you would have told me at this point we were sitting at three and three um, after, you know, playing, what was it, five straight ranked games, um, I, I would be pretty satisfied because, you know, you know, Joey McGuire, there's going to be growing pains for him. This is his first year as a college head coach and not only as a college head coach, but you're in the Big 12 where it's probably the most competitive it's been since it went to 10 teams. Like there is not an obvious number one team in this conference. There are probably, you know, four or five different teams that legitimately have hopes of getting to Arlington at the end of the year. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there for tech still. Um, But this defense is taking a lot of strides. You know, we aren't the old Texas tech that, you know, is going to go out there and maybe score 40, but let up 50. No, we're a Texas Tech team that um, can score 40 and might let up, you know, 20 some games because of the way the steps our defense has taken. And that's the really big difference to me is the fact that I'm just genuinely confident when our defense, you know, steps out on that field. So um, that that's kind of my takeaway from this game is that our defense did make a lot of good plays that, you know, they gave us a chance to win because our offense at times did get stagnant like it has in the past. You know, there was a couple drives where um, we had some rough uh, drives where it was either three and out or, you know, possibly maybe one first down and then we punted and had some pretty poor punts. But our defense stepped up a lot. And we did let up 41, like, but going back and thinking about how many, like the short field with the uh, onside kick, and we let up some short fields uh, after some pretty bad special teams plays. Uh, So I'm pretty satisfied with how our defense came out this weekend. And just as a whole, um, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season after the bye week. I am as well, and uh, it'll be great news for everyone listening. I can promise you, I can guarantee it 100% that the next time Tech steps on the field, it will not be against a ranked opponent. Uh, I guarantee that West Virginia will not be ranked by the time that they come to Lubbock on the 22nd, uh, which from the time we're recording this is in 11 days. Um that's pretty much all we're going to have for football on this episode. I do want to touch on one breaking news tidbit that has actually happened since we pressed record on this show, uh, and it's from the basketball world, and it's um, that former Texas Tech guard Adonis Arms has been signed by the Phoenix Suns on a training camp deal Um so the roster for the Suns still stands at 14 plus the pair of two-way uh, contracts. Uh, so Adonis Arms, uh, after getting cut by the Nuggets, has actually found a home, uh, it would seem for the time being, in Phoenix. 
uh, for the Suns. Uh, that has just happened since we've been recording this in the past, uh, I guess we're right at about 30 minutes, which is right where we wanted to be for this episode. Um, Kendall, I will go to last thoughts uh, for you. Um, I know this is an off week for Tech, and it's an off week for Iowa, so kind of a lazy weekend for you. Um, are there any games that you're looking forward to? There's a pretty good slate this week uh, in terms of ranked uh, games. So I was just wondering if there's any in particular or any games in particular uh, that you're looking forward to this weekend uh, that are going to catch anyone's eye or. Uh, maybe something kind of off the radar or give me one that's on the radar that you're looking forward to. Give me one that's off the radar. Uh, that Bama Tennessee game is probably the more obvious one. So I, that game just really, (laughs) I, I, to me, I, it'd be fun to see Tennessee be back and good at football. They have a great fan base. Uh, they have a great, you know, atmosphere in Knoxville. Um, it'd be fun to see a new sec team kind of come up on the come up and really challenge, you know, the Bama's and Georgia's in there. Um, so that's a really fun one, but kind of an off the radar one, just kind of skimming through these, um, Mississippi state, Kentucky, uh, Mississippi state, you know, they had that one slip up against LSU, but Mike Leach has them going. Um, their offense looks fantastic. And I really think that they're kind of starting to put some teams on notice. And another one is just USC, Utah. Um, Utah just kind of got their doors blown off by UCLA. But this is really a statement game uh, for Lincoln Riley. USC has not had any luck against Utah the past couple of years in the Pac-12. Um, in reality, they've really just, that has been their one hump that they could not get over, even in the years that, you know, they went to the Rose Bowl back in, I want to say, 2017, and they still got rocked by Utah that year. Um, they just have not been able to get over that hump. So this is the probably the biggest test for Lincoln Riley thus far if they want to show that they're a true playoff contender um, to go into Utah in a hostile environment that's going to be kind of rocking. Um, if they can go in and beat, you know, a ranked Utah team to really kind of make a statement. I think that's really big for them. So um, I'd say those two games and the last one I'll kind of bring up here is just pay attention to that Baylor West Virginia game at six o'clock on Thursday night. Um, You know, West Virginia is obviously Tech's next opponent, but I think also watching Baylor, and kind of seeing where they're really at. They've, uh, you know, they beat Iowa State, but they also lost to, you know, a good Oklahoma State team from what we saw. Both teams coming off a bye. Uh, so that's a really interesting game too. And I, I don't know who's going to come out on top, but I think that's really going to show, you know, the disparity of where the quote-unquote bottom of the Big 12 is versus, you know, one of what a lot of people were under the impression was one of the better teams, in the big 12. So, but like you said, there's just a fantastic game slate and uh, it's going to be real fun to watch. There's a lot of games out there. 
I got uh, a couple of Big Ten games that I'm going to be looking at this weekend. Obviously, the big one uh, is, I, I believe it's the big noon game on Fox. It's uh, Penn State at Michigan. Both teams are undefeated. It's a top 10 matchup. Um, Michigan is obviously number five in the country. Penn State's 10. They're both solid teams this year. Um, I think uh, one that I'm, or I'll go ahead and mention my other. Uh, 11 a.m. Big Ten game. Uh, Minnesota at Illinois. Illinois' running back is for real. He's the top rusher in the country right now. Um, and if you want to see, you might have to have like a quad box or something going on. Uh, I'm actually going to be watching that Kansas-Oklahoma game pretty closely. I want to see if Kansas is for real, what they can do. Because uh, Jalen Daniels might not be out for the season, but I would imagine that he's going to sit this game at Oklahoma, at least. Dylan Gabriel's probably going to be back for Oklahoma. Uh, so I really want to see if Kansas is for real, if they can keep it close against Oklahoma or not. Uh, Iowa State is at Texas. Look for that one to be a runaway. Um, you know, Vanderbilt's at Georgia. That's not really a thing. Obviously, the other big... The other big-time Big 12 matchup is uh, the two unbeatens. Um, Oklahoma State at TCU is t- on at uh, 2.30 on ABC in Fort Worth this weekend. Um, but this will wind it up for us here. Um, we want to thank you all for listening again. If you haven't, uh, you know, subscribe to us on Apple Pods, Spotify, uh, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we're around. Keep, uh, keep an eye on Viva the Matadors on Twitter. Uh, for us, for our articles. Uh, I know Kendall and I will have our week seven slate probably coming out around Thursday this week, Thursday or Friday, depending on how we're feeling, uh, just because Tech doesn't have a game this week, so we're kind of uh, low on the content side from the site. Uh, so um, keep keep up with us there. And again, thanks for listening. Uh, it's been great to bring you all. This will be the 54th episode. So uh, we're going to keep right on chugging along. Uh, thanks and wreck them.